0: Well, good morning everybody and welcome to week number seven of Church Online. If this is your very first time tuning in to a Life Church Buffalo experience, my name is Pete and I'm the lead pastor and we're excited to have you with us as we wrap up our series today on things Jesus never said. Before I get into that though, I wanna just take a moment to address those of you who are maybe a little bit newer to our church to let you know that we exist to help people know and follow Jesus step by step. That's our mission statement. And one of the ways that we help people take next steps is by offering something that we call growth path. Now, before COVID, this is something that we used to offer the first and second Sunday of every month. And it would meet during one of our Sunday morning experiences. Now, growth path is something that helps people take next steps on an intentional pathway of spiritual growth as they begin to discover the potential and the purposes that God has in store for them. Now, we may not be able to gather in person on Sunday mornings right now, but there is no pause on the upward call to know God and to experience the abundant life that he has for each one of us. So we're not going to wait until we can gather again in person to resume Growth Path. Instead, next month, we're going to offer it online. And so I wanna encourage those of you who are newer to our church and are looking to maybe take a next step with us to consider joining Growth Path online next, next month. It's gonna be on Thursday, May 7th for step one at 7 p.m. And step one is belong at life. It provides a basic introduction to our church family, what we believe, where we've been, where we're going. And wherever you're at in your growth, if you're newer to our church, I wanna invite you to consider partnering with us in this exciting journey that God has us on together. And then step two will be the following Thursday, May 14th at 7 p.m. And it's called Connected it Life, and it builds on the foundation established in step one and is designed to help you dig into the details of your personality. Discover the unique spiritual gifts that God has given you and help you find your best fit to thrive in the community of Life Church Buffalo. And so, if you're newer to our church, I want to encourage you to consider signing up for this. You can go to our website, lifechurchbuffalo.com, click on the next steps button, or you can use the Church Center app if you have that, and just go to the events tab and you'll find it there. But today, we are wrapping up a series that we've been in for the last several weeks called Things Jesus Never Said where we're kind of contrasting some of the popular beliefs that people have in our culture today about God or about faith, certain things that people might even believe that Jesus said and we're discovering there are things that he never said. And we're looking instead at some of the things he actually did say to realize the power of them when you compare them and contrast them to some of these cultural beliefs. And if you've missed any of the previous weeks, I just wanna give you a quick recap on what we've talked about so far. In week one we talked about the very popular notion both in culture and in the church today that people have when they say that God will never give you more than you can handle. That is something that Jesus never said. And then in week two, which was Easter, we talked about the very popular belief in culture today that so many people have, which is that you can live your own truth, that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere in it. And of course we learned that that's something that Jesus never said. And then last week, we looked at the popular belief that above all else, God just wants you to be happy. And of course, that is something Jesus never said either. And if you've missed any of the previous three messages, you can always catch up with us on our uh, podcast or go to our YouTube channel and watch the messages there. But today's topic is pretty heavy. So I want to start out on a more light-hearted note and ask you to participate with me. Now, if we were gathered together in person here at the church building, normally I would ask for a show of hands or for some audience engagement. But since I can't see you, I'm gonna ask you wherever you're at, wherever you're watching this, to kind of look to your left and the person sitting next to you, or look to your right and the person sitting there, or if you've got someone in front of you or behind you. I understand that some of you may be alone as you're watching this, but if you're watching this with people, I want you to look around at the people all around you. And on the count of three, in just a moment, I want you to point to the person that you think looks like the biggest sinner. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. Go ahead and point to the person that you think around you looks like the biggest sinner. Kind of hard to do, right? It's a little bit awkward, isn't it? To point at someone and say, yeah, you look like you're a pretty big sinner. Because in our culture today, if we're honest, that seems and feels like it's the unpardonable sin to actually call someone a sinner. In culture today, it is totally and completely unacceptable to say that what anyone else does is a sin, which leads to the cultural misbelief that I wanna talk about today. You hear it all the time, and maybe you've even said this before, maybe you believe this yourself, and it's the belief that, you know what? It doesn't really matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anybody. And who are you to judge me? It's not your business what I do. It doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anyone. That today is something we're going to discover is also something that Jesus never said. You know, it seems to me like in our culture today, one of the values that we esteem more than maybe any other is the value of tolerance. Culture claims to seems to hold tolerance in a super high esteem. Tolerance is defined as the quality of being patient, understanding, and accepting of anything or anyone who is different than you. Yet even that definition in the last decade or so has has seemed to shift pretty drastically. Whereas it used to mean that, you know, tolerance was all people have equal value, but Recently, it seems that it also means all ideas and all behavior have equal value. We certainly believe that all people have equal value, but today that that word tolerance has taken on a new meaning and has basically said, you know what? All behavior has equal value. You know, the definition of tolerance has changed so much in culture today that it's now considered wrong and unacceptable to say that anyone's behavior is wrong or sinful. It's totally taboo to do that. In fact, culturally, we've kind of watered down and sanitized behavior that even 50 years ago, most people would have deemed as being wrong or inappropriate or even sinful. And today we've given them different terms to make us feel better about ourselves and not sound so harsh. For example, if you take just the topic of sexual sin, you know, we don't want to talk about watching pornography because that's kind of a taboo topic. Instead, we'll refer to those things as just adult entertainment. It's a little bit more sanitized. It doesn't sound so harsh. It's just entertainment. And we don't want to talk about adultery either. You know, the scarlet letter. In fact, it's just, it's an affair. We all have the affairs of life and it just sanitizes it a little bit. It doesn't sound so bad. And then there's, you know, premarital sex. And again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might think this is an old-fashioned or prude belief. But, you know, in the church, that's something we believe that God has reserved for a covenant marriage relationship. And yet, you know, back then it was premarital sex. And today it's just like, well, everybody's doing that. And it's just fooling around and everybody's fooling around. And so we kind of, you know, put these new terms on it so it doesn't sound so bad. And we've taken what was what's considered wrong by most and have changed the way we describe it. Because in our culture today, it's considered offensive and judgmental to ever tell somebody or insinuate, you know, that something they're doing is wrong. Besides, it's none of your business what I do anyways. Who are you to judge me? I can do whatever I want. As long as I'm not hurting anybody, then I'm fine. And don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Because so let's face it, who wants to hear that today? I don't want to hear, you know, or be told that what I'm doing is wrong. But the apostle Paul, 2000 years ago, said that this was going to happen. Look at what he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse three, when he says, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and we'll look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear sounds a lot like today doesn't it people today both in the world and in the church follow their own desires they don't want to be told that what they're doing is wrong and therefore they're only going to listen to people who tell them what they want to hear who who tell them what their itching ears want to hear what you need to understand today is if you're going to consider life church buffalo your home church is I'm not one of those teachers I'm not gonna tell you whatever you wanna hear. I'm gonna do my best to to say what I believe God's word teaches us. And even if that means some toes get stepped on and feathers get ruffled and some people might not like me. What I want us all to realize today is that sin is very real. Sin has very serious earthly consequences and possibly damning eternal consequences as well. And so I want to talk today about three cultural misbeliefs about sin that kind of all revolve around this idea that people have in culture today, which is, you know, it doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anybody. And the first cultural misbelief about sin is when people say, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. You're not a bad person. All around the world, for the most part, people are good people. We're not bad people. Yeah, I might make a mistake. I might do something wrong occasionally, but... I'm not a bad person. And the reality is, is that is simply not true. Look at what John writes in 1 John 1.8 when he says, If we claim to be without sin, if we claim to be not a bad person, he says, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, we all wanna believe that we are good people. And so what we do is we kind of compare ourselves to other people who in our minds have done things that are worse than us. And so we, we, we compare ourselves and say, well, I, I haven't done that. Look what they did. And I'm, I'm not as bad as they are. So I'm, I'm a good person. What we need to understand though is that other people are not the standard that we are measured by. See, when we compare ourselves to a perfect and holy God, that's when we realize that we are in fact Filthy sinners. We are bad people, if you will. Look at what Paul writes in Romans chapter three, verse 23. He says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, you've sinned, I've sinned, we've all sinned. Everyone who's ever lived except for Jesus has sinned and falls short of God's standard. We've all broken God's laws, we've all missed the mark. And that's what the word sin means in the original language, to miss the mark. So while some people might wanna say, I'm not a bad person, the truth is we're all sinners. And until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a savior. And we need to understand too is that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Every single one of us until we come to faith in Jesus Christ are dead in our sins. But then we come to trust in him and he forgives us of our sin and he cleanses us and washes us and makes us new and gives us new life. So the second cultural misbelief about sin is this idea that all sin is the same. This is popular even in the church too, that all sin is the same. We hear it all the time. Maybe you've even said this or believe this. Who are you to judge me? What I'm doing isn't any worse than what he or she is doing. Sin is sin, right? All sin is the same. That is something Jesus never said. Scripture does not teach that all sin is the same. Now, all unforgiving sin leads to death, but not all sin is the same. Now, look at what Paul writes in Romans 6, 23, when he says, for the wages of sin is death, any type of sin. Little sin, big sin, whatever kind of sin, any type of unforgiven sin leads to eternal death. But the good news, he says, is that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So here we see that all unforgiven sin leads to eternal death, but not all sin is the same. And what I want you to understand today is that how we live and what we do affects three things. And if you're taking notes, the first thing it affects is our consequences on earth. Okay, last week I gave you the example of you know riding my, my friend's motorcycle, his sport bike, 120 miles per hour on the 219, Route 219 here in the Buffalo area. And had a policeman pulled me over, had I gotten caught while I was driving 120 miles per hour, I most certainly would have gotten pulled over and been given a speeding ticket, maybe even lost my license for going more than twice the speed limit. But if I went out and killed somebody, how many of you know that the consequences for that would be much more severe, right? Both are sin. Both will keep me from heaven if they're unforgiven, but different sins have different consequences. You know, even if you look at, the topic of sexual sin, which Paul addresses directly in First Corinthians chapter 6, when he says, run from sexual sin, for no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. In other words, there's different consequences to this sin than there are with other sins. He says, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body, which was purchased with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So he says, flee sexual sin. All other sins, yeah, try to resist, fight it. Not this one. He's like, run, forest, run. Don't even try to fight it because no other sin affects our bodies like this one does. There's different consequences for different sin and how we live on this earth affects the consequences we face on this earth. It also affects our reward in heaven. Did you know that for followers of Jesus, there are degrees of reward in heaven that is based on how we live while we're here on earth? You know, at one time Jesus was talking in Matthew's gospel and he was speaking about his second coming. And he says this in Matthew 16, 27. He said, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. He's talking about himself. He says, I'm gonna come in my father's glory with his angels. And then, this this is what he says, He will reward each person according to what they have done. And Jesus repeats a very similar thing. It almost sounds identical in in John's revelation of him. In Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus says, Look, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to repay each person. And here it is again, according to what he has done. See, for followers of Jesus, how we live on this earth affects what type of reward we will receive in heaven. See, each of us has been created by God to do good works, which he's planned in advance for us to do. And how well did we run our race? How did we accomplish the things that God has set out for us to accomplish? And, you know, how well we did that determines the level of reward we will receive in heaven, Now, heaven is heaven, it's, it's a reward in and of itself, but scripture's clear that there are levels of reward in heaven and how we live on this earth affects that. And for those who choose not to place their faith in or follow Jesus, scripture also says that how we live here on this earth affects our punishment in hell. Now, obviously we don't know the details of how all this works, but scripture strongly suggests that if we don't know Jesus, how we live on this earth affects what type of punishment we will receive in hell. Let me show you a couple of verses to support this. Look at what Jesus told Pontius Pilate who would sentence him to death. This is right before Jesus was crucified on the cross. John writes in John 19:11, this is Jesus speaking talking to Pilate, therefore he says, "The one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin." See, the Pharisees were the ones that handed Jesus over to Pilate. And Jesus is saying, look, the Pharisees are guilty of a greater sin than you are, Pilate. And with greater sin comes greater punishment. Look at what he said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 22. Matthew writes, Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. And then Jesus says this, What sorrow awaits you, Chorosin and Bethsaida. For if the miracles I did in you had been done in the wicked cities of Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago. He says, I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on judgment day than you. So Jesus here is clear that there will be more severe punishment for some people who reject him than others. So misperception number one is I'm not a bad person. Actually, you are. I'm a bad person. You're a bad person. We're all sinners in the eyes of a holy God. Misperception number two is that all sin is the same. Actually, all sin is not the same. Now, all unforgiven sin leads to eternal death and separation from God. But, you know, there are certain actions that we commit here on this earth that have different consequences for us, both on this earth as well as in eternity. Now, the third cultural lie that so many people believe is this, well, since I've already done it, I might as well go ahead and keep doing it. There are so many people, even in the church, who've used this rationale and have said this. I have said this in my past as well. Since I've already done it, might as well go ahead and keep doing it, right? For people who choose to give away their virginity before they're married, it's like, well, can't get it back. I've already done it, so I might as well just keep doing it. I already, I already tried the drugs. You know what? I might as well go ahead and, and keep doing it. I cheated once and I didn't get caught and it helped me get ahead, so I might as well keep doing it. You know, I already kind of looked at something I, I shouldn't have looked at on the computer, but might as well keep doing it. I've already done it once. Might as well keep doing it. Evidently, this logic was just as present thousands of years ago as it is today because the Apostle Paul asks a very pressing and relevant question in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, as he quotes the you know, sentiment of what so many people in that time were saying. He says, Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? In other words, the the teaching of the day is that, you know, where sin abounds, where there's a lot of sin, there's that much more grace. And so people were saying, well, if that's the case, we should just keep on sinning so that we can keep experiencing more of God's grace. And Paul's answer to that in the very next verse is, of course not. Of course not. He says, since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? In other words, because Jesus died for our sin and because we've placed our faith in him, sin no longer has power over us. We now have the power of Christ. So why should we continue to do things that hurt the heart of God, that hurt our own lives and has the potential to hurt people around us as well? Shall we keep on sinning so that grace may increase even more? Of course not. God has something so much better for us. You know, what saddens me when I see so many Christians who have access to every spiritual blessing in Christ and have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit living in them, just continue in a lifestyle of sin. And listen, I'm, I'm not talking to baby Christians here, brand new people who have just committed their lives to Jesus. I understand that in the same way when a baby is actually born, there's a lot of poopy diapers for a couple of years and they've got to learn how to crawl before they can walk or run. And in the same way, when a person just comes to know Jesus, there's gonna be a lot of messes and they've got to spiritually learn how to crawl before they can walk or run and turn away from you know sin that they've been engaged in for years, maybe even decades. That's, that's not who I'm talking to here. I'm talking about supposedly mature Christians who've been following Jesus for years and who say that they want to get into the deeper things of God, but they still gossip and, and make excuses for sinful behavior. Listen, I'm all for deeper. Scripture says deep calls unto deep, and there's something deep in my spirit that longs to know the deep things of God. But let's not mistake, you know, more spiritual knowledge for spiritual maturity. Okay? Spiritual maturity isn't about how much we know, it's about how much we obey. Spiritual maturity isn't about having more knowledge, it's about having more fruit. Spiritual maturity isn't just learning more and learning the original language and studying deeper theologians. Spiritual maturity is about being transformed by the grace of Jesus and letting the Holy Spirit take over and live through you. The problem today though, is that most Christians are educated well beyond their level of obedience. It's true. Most of us don't need to know more. We just need to apply what we already know. We need to let God take the truth of what he's already shown us and spoken to us and let it settle into our hearts and lives and set us free from the sin that continues to entangle us and hold us back. Well, I've already done it. I might as well go ahead and keep on doing it. Listen, it's a tragedy how many people today who call themselves followers of Jesus and just consistently walk back into the sin that Jesus died to set them free from and then rationalize it and justify it and and say, well, it's okay, and, and who are you to judge me? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Of course not. Since we died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? Now, listen, the last thing I wanna do is stand here and, and preach at you and come across like I've got this all figured out and I don't sin anymore because listen, that is not the case at all. I mess up every single day. In fact, the longer I follow Jesus and the closer I get to him, the more he shows me how much junk and, and impurity and, and sin is still in my life. I confess sin to him every single day not because I want him to love me because he already loves me, but I confess it because number one, that's how he taught us to pray, right? Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so I need to be forgiven every single day right? Because I don't want to do anything that's displeasing to him. And, and since sin separates us, I don't want there to be anything that's creating distance and separation between me and my heavenly father. But because of my bent towards sin, I continue to struggle with sin. But the good news is that God's grace is more powerful than that. And his spirit lives in me, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. So God's spirit in me is greater and stronger than the wrong desires that are still in me. And so I would suggest that if you're not aware of any sin in your life, then that might be a sign of spiritual immaturity. Because listen, the closer you get to Jesus, who is the light of the world, the more that light exposes some of the darkness that's still kind of creeping in the the, the recesses and the corners of, of our heart. Now I want you to hear my heart in this. I am not trying to heap guilt or shame or condemnation on anyone because I am a sinner saved by grace. I want you to hear my heart in this, but we have got to understand that sin is progressive And sin grows best when it's kept hidden in the dark. When we look at things like we've talked about with with porn, and listen, I had a 20-year addiction to looking at pornography that started out with one look at my friend's Playboy magazine when I was 12 years old. But it's progressive and it grows and it was kept hidden in secret. And it turned into an addiction that I struggled to get free from for over 20 years you lie, you cheat one time, you don't get away with it and it's progressive and you realize, oh, I can get ahead with this and I didn't get caught and, and so it, it just grows. You steal one time and it's exhilarating and you realize, oh, I can, I can get stuff without having to pay for it and, and it's progressive and it grows. You know, that little, you know, eye catch of that guy or that, that girl at the office starts with innocent flirtation. And even though you feel in your heart that, you know what, this is feeding something in me that is only supposed to be fed by my spouse. But you know, my, my wife isn't meeting my needs and things aren't good at home. And he's not treating me the way that I want to be treated or I deserve to be treated. And so this guy's paying attention to me and it starts out small, but before you know it, sin is progressive and, and you didn't think you would wind up in an affair and, and totally wrecking your marriage. But here's where you are. Sin is progressive. It'll take you farther than you ever wanted to go, and it will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. What does not matter what I do as long as I'm not hurting anyone? The truth is you can't sin without hurting people. It hurts God first and foremost. It hurts you, and it hurts the people around you. Well, it's not that big of a deal. No, it is a big deal. It is a huge deal. Sin is the reason that Jesus was beaten and tortured and crucified on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not so that we would continue in it. Sin is a big deal. And the moment you think it's not, You've got to realize it's costing you something. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're flirting with sin and and you're not thinking it's a big deal, it is costing you, above all else, intimacy with your heavenly father, with your creator. And there's no relationship on earth that compares with a close and intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's what it's costing you. And when there's separation between me and God, then all of a sudden my ability to hear and discern his voice becomes dull. It's harder for me to hear his voice. And then the longer I go without hearing his voice, my heart starts to harden and I become a little bit callous towards sin, which is a really dangerous place to be because then that distance between sinning and the moment I repent grows because I'm not hearing his voice and so I'm not feeling convicted and that grows and, and that's a very dangerous place to be because listen, listen, I'm not saying or suggesting that anyone should be perfect. We're all gonna mess up. The only perfect one who ever lived died on the cross and I'm not him, I don't know about you. So we're gonna mess up. But listen, for the spiritually mature person, There is a short distance between the moment we realize we've committed a sin and God I've sinned and then God, I need to forgive me of that sin and give me the power to to not do that again next time. It's a short distance and we've gotta protect that. We've gotta keep that as a short distance so that we'll continue to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and he can continue to work in our lives and mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus. Because when that distance gets shorter and shorter, all of a sudden, I'm starting to look like Christ and I'm starting to live like Christ. Not that I'm trying to do that in my own strength, but it's the Holy Spirit living through me. Listen, sin will mess you up. Sin will mess you up. And we have all sinned. Every single one of us has sinned. But the good news The gospel is called good news. The good news is that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Not that he was a sinner because he's the only person who ever lived that never sinned, nor was he a friend of sin. He hates sin and died because of it. But his enemies accused him of being a friend of sinners because he hung out with sinners. And his purpose in befriending sinners wasn't to join with them in their sin. It was to save them from their sin. And I am so grateful for that because I am a sinner saved by grace. I need his grace and I'm so grateful that he didn't come to call the righteous, but he came to call sinners because I'm a sinner and he is a friend of mine. See, when you see yourself as a sinner You will see your need for a savior. And that's when you recognize he didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call sinners and that's me. You might have thought that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're not hurting anybody. But here's what I want all of us to understand today that what you do does matter. It matters here on earth and it matters in eternity as well. And we've got to admit, all of us have sinned. We've all done things that are wrong. We have felt the guilt that comes when we lie or when we cheated on that test, whatever it is. We've all done things that have broken and violated God's laws. And in God's court of law, the price for that sin is eternal death, but the good news Paul writes in Romans chapter five, verse eight, is that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, when? While we were still sinners. Before we had done anything to deserve his love for us, he demonstrated and showed us how great his love was for us by sending Jesus to die for us. He pursued us while we were still in our sin. That's how much he loves you and that's how much he wants a relationship with you. So it doesn't matter what sins you've committed. It doesn't matter what you're trapped in or how long you've been engaging in that activity. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way out of whatever sin you're trapped in. He is the truth that sets you free. And he is the eternal life that endures forever. Jesus is the way out though. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He said, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Listen, every single one of us is tempted to sin, but here's the good news. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So if you feel trapped in sin, you can step out of your sin and into Jesus because he provides a way out. You can step out of the bondage and into his grace. You can step out of the snare of sin and into the power of his loving embrace. Listen, I believe I'm talking to somebody right now. I don't know who you are and you've been, you feel trapped in it. You don't feel like you can escape it and you've been rationalizing and justifying it. Listen, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and he is your way out. He is your way out. We've got to understand the reality is that sin does cost us. Sin costs us, but Jesus paid the price for our sin. We don't have to pay it because he's already paid it for us. You know, I looked at this verse earlier in the message and I wanna go back to it in 1 John 1.8 when John writes, if we claim to be without sin, if we claim that we're not bad people, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But the good news is that if we confess our sins, that our God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's how good our Jesus is. When we confess our sin to him, he forgives us of all of our sin and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way out of whatever sin you're trapped in. He is the truth that sets you free, and he is the only life that will satisfy you. So remember that when you're being tempted, our God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, and he will provide a way out. There's always a way out through Jesus. So when culture says, "Ah, eh, it doesn't really matter what you do, as long as you don't hurt anyone, then you're fine. What I want you to recognize is that is a satanic lie from the pit of hell, because sin is the greatest enemy to intimacy with God. And I promise you, you will never experience anything more fulfilling than an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And sin is the greatest enemy to intimacy with God, but, Jesus is a friend of sinners who came to set sinners free. And that's why we're here today, because we're all sinners in need of a savior. We all need his grace. We all do. And he whom the son sets free is free indeed. So can I pray for you today? God, I thank you that you showed us how much you love us by sending Jesus to take our place and pay the price for our sin so that we could be reunited with our heavenly father. We could be restored to a relationship with our creator and our heavenly father. God, I thank you for the friendship of Jesus that he came to show us not how bad we are, but to provide a way for us to experience intimate fellowship and friendship with the Holy Spirit. And so God, for those of us who have bought into the lie that all sin is the same, and I'm not that bad of a person because I haven't done what they've done or have used the excuse of, well, I've already done it, so I might as well go ahead and keep doing it. God, I pray, first of all, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, God, would you forgive us of that? And would you remind us of the power that is available to us in your Holy Spirit to resist temptation and to see the way out? God, help us not to treat sin lightly. Lord, help us to be reminded of the sacrifice that you paid for us to be free of that sin. Lord, help us to live in a way that honors the sacrifice that you made for us. And so God, I just pray that your people, Lord, would be drawn back to their first love. Would not treat sin lightly. We would realize, God, that the way we live on this earth affects our consequences on this earth. It affects our reward in heaven if we're following and believing in you. And for those that don't, God, it also affects the level of their punishment and eternal separation from you. And so I want to talk to those of you for a moment who are watching this and maybe you've used every single one of these rationales and the choices and decisions you've made thinking that you're not that bad of a person because you know what that person's done worse than I have and so I'm okay by that standard and all sin is the same anyway if there is a God like eh, you know he, he died for he's gonna forgive me he's a good God he loves everybody and I already messed up once so you know I might as well go ahead and keep doing it And maybe you've been the recipient of some mean-spirited and and judgmental Christians who've, who've tried to point out all of your sin and it's turned you away from God and it's turned away from the church. But right now, you know that in your heart, the Holy Spirit is convicting you and drawing you and you realize, you know what? Jesus did die for my sin and we're all sinners. I can't measure up to God's standard, but that's why Jesus came, so that he could pay the price for my sin. And all it takes is, as we read it, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. And if you're ready to take that step to begin a relationship with Jesus today, then I'm gonna lead you in a prayer in just a moment. And before I do, since we're online, I wanna ask you to let us know if you're making that decision right now by putting a hands up emoji in the comment section of whatever you know, online platform that you are watching from right now. If you're watching on church online, then you can click the raise a hand button right now so that we can follow up with you and and get some resources into your hands. But I'm gonna say a prayer and I just want you to repeat these words after me. And the specific words aren't important. It's the simple fact that you are confessing your need for a savior, you're confessing your sins to God. So say, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I believe that Jesus is the son of God that you sent to this earth to die in my place, to pay for my sin. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he rose to live forevermore. And so today I place my faith and trust in him. Wash me of all my sin, forgive me, cleanse me, make me brand new and fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the strength and the power to turn away from sin and follow you every day for the rest of my life. My life is not my own, because right now I give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen and amen. Church, I don't know where you're at right now, but I hope you're giving God some praise and clapping your hands because I believe the family of God just grew today. If you just prayed that prayer, let me be the first one to welcome you as my brother or sister in Jesus Christ. You are now a part of the family of God. I love you so much, church. I can't wait till I can be with you again in person. I hope you have a blessed week. We'll see you next Sunday.
1: Thank you, Pastor Pete, for that final message in this series. Listen, if you've missed any of these messages in the Things Jesus Never Said series, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify or watch the video on YouTube. Life Church Buffalo is the handle for both of those places. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we are excited for you and we want to celebrate with you. So would you give us a hands-up emoji in the comment section? Let us know that you've decided to follow Jesus. You can also head over to our website at lifechurchbuffalo.com and click the Next Steps button. Today is just the beginning of a new and exciting relationship, and we'd love to help you figure out what your next step may be. And now it's time for Kids Life Live. If you're catching this on replay, you can find all of our live stream content on YouTube on the Life Church Buffalo channel. Have an awesome Sunday, and we'll see you right back here next week.